doing? Amen. Amen. Um, we have so many important things to talk about because the Word of God is so rich that, you know, you cannot just go too quickly over it and, and then miss parts or don't understand parts or don't give enough attention to the different parts. But last week, part B of the sermon had to do with uh, the problem of anxiety. The problem of anxiety. And then Paul gave us not only what the problem was, but he gave us the solution or the cure. And then he showed us also some of the results that would, what would happen, uh, that would come about after we have gone through the cure and what was going to be available to us. And he continues that pattern as we are looking uh, at, the, at the Word of God. So uh, we are in Philippians chapter 4. We are going to read verses 4 and 5 just to um, just look at it quickly, uh, point out a couple of things. And then, though we did verses 6 and 7 last week, we're going to do 6 and 7 through 9 today. Um, the idea of dealing with anxiety is so important to me because of the fact that I know so many Christians, Christians that have anxiety all over the place. And it is important that we uh, define or give some parameters concerning anxiety so we don't, don't confuse anxiety with something else. We don't confuse planning with anxiety. Now you can be anxious in your planning, but planning by itself is not anxiety. Uh, being uncomfortable with certain situations is not necessarily anxiety. It might cause anxiety, but it itself is not necessarily uh, uh, anxiety. Um, so it's important to talk about some of those things as well. Obviously, our time is limited. We cannot talk about a lot of detail and a lot of examples. But hopefully, it is enough of a sampling that we can get help from the Word of God as Paul is explaining some things to us pertaining to anxiety and how to get rid of it. So, we start with verse 4 that... That is, that is, is not really uh, a, a immediately related to anxiety, but it, it, it is a helps there that it points out to us that, hey, listen, <clears throat> this is part of what helps you to not be anxious. So verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord. So, I am glad to see that Paul repeats himself. <laughs> he talks about rejoicing in the Lord up ten times as one who is in prison. In his epistle, he's encouraging us to rejoice. And I'm thinking, whoa. What does Paul know, what does Paul have 
that maybe I don't have. That I complain over little situations when he's rejoicing and encouraging other people to rejoice while he's in prison. And he said, hey, I might be offered up soon. I, it might cost me my life soon. I don't know when, but I've been hearing some things here in the, in the, in, 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 in the prison. Uh, guards are talking and other people are talking and, you know, this thing might be closed. I might be offered up soon. And he's talking about rejoicing. And he is not mincing words with it. He, you know, he says, rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. And obviously, if you're going to rejoice, it is not because of your circumstances. You're going to rejoice in the Lord. That's the only reason to rejoice. So, let your moderation, the word moderation here is a funny word. It's really not the, the best word. Forbearance is a good word. Uh, another couple of words would be, your sweet gentleness or your sweet reasonableness. Reasonable is one thing, but sweet reasonableness is that's a different ballgame. That is somebody who is reasonable and is so nice about it, so sweet about it. I am reasonable, okay? <laughs> hey, reasonable, a sweetness about it. But what, it, what is the best definition of the word moderation over here? Is, is maybe the satisfaction with something less than you do. The satisfaction, and this is in the study now. I'm not making it up. Okay, I'm, 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 I diligently study what Paul is saying. And so I'm not making this up just to make it sound uh, a little bit more sacrificial. That is what Paul is talking about. A, a satisfaction, a contentment. In getting less than you do. And you're satisfied about it and content about it. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, this is what I love about Jesus' teaching. This is what I love. is completely contrary and opposite of the worldly and the secular teaching. What? <laughs> you got to be content when you're supposed to, you know, have this. And you get this, you're supposed to get this, and you get this, and you say you're content, you're satisfied. So, and this is true in so many situations. I, I people cold, cold. Should I operate a little bit? Anybody? Up or down? Ah, okay, it's fine. Okay, I'll talk to you again in a little bit. Same, okay. So, and he says, that attitude, that attitude of the satisfaction, I'll say it again, that attitude of the satisfaction of receiving something less than you do, he says, let it be made known. Actually, that, that is the better translation than let it be known. It is more let it be made known. Or uh, another translation would, better would be, let it be shown. In other words, he's saying, let that attitude of being content with less than you do, let it be per per pervasive 
in your conduct and your way of life also so that people can actually see it. It's not just in your heart. It's not just an attitude. It is in your life that it might be shown to people that people can see that you're walking like Jesus walked. (laughs) I love the teaching of Jesus. To all men, everybody that that you come across, they see clearly that you are a man who is a Christian man who doesn't want things just his way or her way. I would be a Christian woman, of course. <laughs> um, that's supposed to be funny, but anyways. <laughs> the Lord is at hand. The Lord is present. And that's why you do it. Then verse, verse 6. So that's where we're going to start with today's message, reviewing and repeating a little bit last week, and then going on. Because in verse 6, he is giving us a problem. A, 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 a problem that is pervasive throughout the church. If you have been a Christian long enough and you have been in churches long enough, you know that I'm right. There's a lot of anxiety in the church. People in the church are not anxiety free. There is plenty of it to go around. Unfortunately. I want just to give you just a couple of parameters so that we, we don't get blindsided. One, when I talk about anxiety, I'm not scolding anybody. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. Neither is Paul. Remember in verse 1, he talked about the Philippians as, their, as his dearly beloved and longed for. My joy and my crown. He is not down on anybody. And I'm not down on anybody. But what he is saying is, hey, be careful for nothing. The word careful over there is not the best translation. It is an old translation. In those days, it meant what we would call anxiety or we would call worry. In the old days, it was more the idea of not careful. When we say the word careful, we mean exercise caution. Yes? I've said it a million times to my children as they walk out the door. Be careful. Maybe they heard it. Maybe they didn't. But I couldn't as a father very well just let them walk out of the door without giving them a word of caution. Be careful. When I heard one time they were going to go to Austin to bungee jump. Bungee jump. And I had a lesson with a young woman, a young lady, actually, a, 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 a teenage girl at that time, maybe late teens or whatever. And her father, who was a gifted surgeon, told me how many accidents had happened with jump, bungee jumping. I called my sons. I say, don't do it. Don't do it just for your dad. Just don't do it. I talked to the surgeon, and he says, many accidents. So, just for me. And my sons, they, they consented, and they didn't do it. Uh, I couldn't just, uh, the doctor, who has more experience than I do, and so say, ah, it's, it's okay. You know, an accident happens only once in a while. But 
It's not going to happen to my sons if I can help it. <laughs> um, so I would caution them a lot. Be careful. I'm sort of like, I'm not like an, a freak that way, but I, I see accidents maybe where other people don't see it. And I tell them, hey, be careful with that. Be careful with that. If you don't want to be careful, hey, fine, no problemo. I still love you. And even I won't gripe too much at you. If you do it, then you hurt yourself. Um, so, there, that is what the word careful means in our time. When we say careful, we mean exercise caution. But when it was translated, it didn't mean exercise caution. It meant there that you were full of care. That you were full of care. In other words, worrying. That's what it meant. So the translation, be anxious for nothing, is a very good translation. The word careful doesn't really portray what the, what the Greek text means. Just, wanted, just for your information. And he says, be anxious for nothing. The little translation is, not even for one thing. Don't be anxious for even one thing. It didn't say be anxious only for one thing. <laughs> we, we have the idea, be anxious for nothing. And then we, as Christians, we want to find a way out. Then we are asking, well, what about this and what about this and what about this and what about this? Can we anxious, be anxious for this? No, for nothing. Well, Paul, that's easier said than done. And that's right. So, the other thing I want to bring to your attention, not only am I not down on anybody or griping anybody or scolding anybody, that this is an old problem. This happened then, 2,000 years ago, that people were anxious. This is not a new problem. But he is encouraging and, and admonishing us, don't let it happen to you. And if it's happening to you, poop, these are the steps out. And goes on to say, but, so, be anxious for nothing. The little word, but over there, I love that word. Because it grabs my attention as to what is following. Many times it is just a connecting word. Other times it's maybe, it announces the opposite of what was previous uh, uh, to, to the word but. So, it, 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 is, uh, uh, it was expensive, but I bought it. Okay, but here it says, be anxious for nothing, but on the opposite, here comes a solution for you, and then he gives us the cure to, to anxiety. He says, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard or keep or protect your hearts and your minds. My dear brothers and sisters, that is what I need. Amen. For the peace of God to stand guard over my hearts and my mind. So he gives us the solution. By prayer and supplication. The word prayer over here is not just the idea of talking to God here. It, it includes here the idea of a devotedness to God. That you are... You are in your time with him, you're not just 
like a little child, oh, daddy, I want some candy. No, this is a, a devotedness to him uh, in this prayer. And the word supplication brings in the idea of humility. And it is strange that Paul would bring that about because would we not be humble when it comes to being face-to-face with God? Because when he says the word unto, the word unto over here, it has the idea of being face-to-face with God in his presence. Wouldn't it be funky that us earthly creatures would not be humble in the presence of God? But he gives us a word of caution. Hey, be careful when you're in, front of, in, the, in the presence of God. Okay? Be humble. Be humble, period. But certainly, so prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That is a strange word here, it seems, because how do you find yourself in circumstances that cause you to be anxious, but you're going to be thankful? You're going to have an attitude of thankfulness. Well, you could, you could make an argument for it. That by the time I get into the presence of God, and I have shared my need with Him, in, in, in anticipation, I could be thankful. Or I could be thankful just be able to bring it before Him. I don't know all the reasons exactly, but what the one thing that I do know is that we are asked... To be thankful. To be thankful. Did I tell you? We have, we have some investments. Like so. Okay. So, don't think, well, pastor's got investments. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> we have a little bit. You know, you have to think of your old, old age. I'm 70 years old. I don't have a million dollars someplace over there. I have a little bit. And a couple of years ago, that little bit was, become, was becoming literal smaller all the time. Every month when we get, ding, they went down 10%, 15%, 20%. Do you get anxious about those things? I told my wife, Jesus says, in the world you shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. From now on, when I see that 10% or 50% drop over there, I'm just going to give a dance. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm of good cheer. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not going to be upset anymore. I'm not going to be anxious about it anymore. No moss. No more. No, not anymore. I'm just dancing. I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful that <laughs> they didn't all go to zero. <laughs> Only a few. <laughs> hey, I got a good investment for you. <laughs> With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. This is the cure he's talking about. This is your answer. He says, bring it to your father. Bring it to your Father. In His presence unto God. And then He says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. You can't understand this peace thing. 
because the circumstances are such that you might be ah, in a whirlwind in your mind. Think, oh gosh, what is going to happen then? What's going to happen then? It, for you to get this peace of God, your mind can't understand how you can have this peace when you find yourself in these dire circumstances. Have you ever been in dire circumstances? Hey, if you have lived long enough, you've been in dire circumstances, okay? Uh, but your mind cannot understand how can I feel at so much rest in my mind and in my heart when my circumstances are such. The peace of God. And last week I explained to you the peace of God, which past all understanding shall keep your hearts and your mind. What does it mean, keep? Uh, uh, I'm keeping a journal. Now, the word over keep is, oh, keep over here is, is guarding. It is like a goalkeeper in soccer or in hockey, a goalkeeper, and he's looking to keep all the shots of the enemy out of your goal. Amen. That is what a piece of God is there for, that when you bring your prayers and your supplications with thanksgiving in the presence of the Lord, then he says his peace will stand guard. For your minds and your hearts, or your hearts and your minds, whatever order you want to do. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, that is like huge to me. Huge to me. That God is summoning. How do you say it? Summoning? Some, some, summonsing. Summonsing. A summons. He's giving a summons. So I'll, I'll say it a different way so I don't have to worry about my English. He gives a summons to his peace. And he says, go stand guard for his heart and his mind. I don't want him to be subject to the enemy any longer. He can shoot all he wants. They're not going in the goal. He can shoot all he wants, but my peace keeps the shots out. My dear brothers and sisters, Oh, my goodness. In this life where we find ourselves, what a glorious thing that is. To have the peace of God himself standing guard, keeping out the shots of the enemy. Whatever your favorite soccer goalie is, he doesn't compare with the peace of God. Then he goes on. And finally, or whatever he says in verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. So he gives us, he he gave us, he just gave us the result of the cure. When, When we're doing the solution, when we're doing the cure, he gave us the result. The result was going to be that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep God and, and shall protect your mind and your heart. Then he goes on with some more cure. And he says, think on these things. Whatsoever is true, and whatsoever is honest, and whatsoever is just, and whatsoever is pure, and whatsoever is lovely, and whatsoever is of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any praise. That's eight items. With subdivisions, with, you know, each item you can explain a little bit more. He says, think 
on these. So when you hear Paul saying something like this, or you're reading what Paul is saying over here, then my mind is going, oh, he says for me not to think there, he tells me to think here. Right, 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 right. If he tells me to think here, he's telling me not to think there. Is that right? You cannot be at two places at one time. If you say yes to Keith, I say no to somebody else during that period of time. I cannot be with Keith here and be in, in McAllen at the same time. Okay, so when I say yes to someone, so he says, say yes to these thoughts. Don't go in a different direction. And so in my mind, immediately I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> I have a choice of what I'm thinking about. Nobody is controlling my thoughts. I have a say in it. By the Spirit of the Lord, I am in control of my thoughts. And if, even if they want to go somewhere, even if the enemy is whispering to me and tries to guide my thoughts, oh, no, you're not going there. Come here. I rebuke you. Come here. And here's where my thoughts are going to be. I take them captive. And I say, you're not going there. You're going there. Well, let me ask you this. Does your mind go strange places sometimes? If your mind doesn't go strange places, I don't know if you have a mind. That's what it wants to do. You're a fleshly, you're a, 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 somebody that is still a, 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 subject to the flesh in some ways. Or let me, I should say it differently. The flesh still wants to control, have a control over you. They, the flesh lost its rulership in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it still wants to, and it's hoping that you oblige it. That's what the flesh is hoping for. Just, hey, why don't you just give me an inch? Don't do it. The flesh will take a mile. Don't do it. And the flesh is powerful. Since you have been born again, and since you have identified with the dead, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that means now you are ruler of your flesh, and it's not any longer ruler of you, but it still wants to rule. A dethroned king, he still wants to be king. It is not like he's just saying, I know, I've been defeated. You give him an inch and see what happens. Don't do it. Because he'll take a mile. Matter of fact, when you have given him an inch, immediately, Take it back and go a different direction. Immediately. Because when he runs with you, you don't have to do any extra gymnastics. He'll take you there all by yourself if you let him. You don't. You just go along for the ride. He'll take you there, baby. So he says, think of these things. The things that are true. Um. It is not speaking here so much about true or false. It's speaking here more of a, uh, a general ca- characterization. 
For example, I, I was just joking with Jay this morning, uh, talking maybe with John and Jay, and I said, you know, if somebody would tell me that Jay said something ugly about me, I wouldn't believe it. Amen. My mind would not go there. Amen. My mind would go in the general the idea of the characterization of truth. Because I know his heart. Hey, he might have, it might have even come out of his mouth. But he didn't mean it like that. Or else, what you heard was not what he said. Amen. Or maybe he had a bad moment. I'm not going there with my mind. I'm going to the truth. Whatever is true. Whatever is, what is the second one? Is honest. Here it talks about honest is more a little bit of the area of honor. Whatever is just, whatever is righteous, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, he says, let your mind go to those things. Don't let your mind go to a different direction. Whatever is virtue or excellent, uh, and whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is winsome, let your mind go to those things. So, does your mind sometimes go to, let us say, let us just a hypothetical case, your spouse hurt your feelings. I know your, your spouse never hurt your feelings, so this is just certainly strictly hypothetical. Your spouse hurts your feelings. Do you let your mind wander on that? One. Do you let your mind pick up on the wandering some other times where the, when he or she hurt your feelings? And thirdly, how long will it take before you arrest your mind and send it somewhere else? Or you just let it just run free. Don't let it run freely. It will take you crazy places. Don't let it do that. That's what Paul is saying over here. If you let it, it will. It wants to. It's your fleshly mind. That's what it wants to do. So don't let it. He says, don't let it go there. Think on these things. Think on these things. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, does this make sense to you? Is, is this not only God's word, but is it coherent with your experiences as well? Absolutely. That's why he's saying it. 2,000 years ago, he's saying the same things. Don't let your mind think on these things. Before you know it, you have dug up more dirt that should have already been buried and forgiven and done with. Amen. Burned. Are you digging them up? As if he or she just did those same things again. Well, but he did it or she didn't. She just had a little whatever. I won't say it, but she had maybe a bad day or he had a bad day. Okay, fine. Can your spouse have a bad day or a bad moment or a bad hour or a bad week? Yeah, because you have them too. Amen. That's why I gave the message a few months ago on the fact that your love will be challenged. You say I love you, 
And that will be challenged. That is the way it is. And if it's challenged, love is patient, love is kind. When it's challenged because your spouse has a bad day, then do we find the patience and the kindness that you told her you have? I love you. I'm patient and kind with you. Is it present? It's going to be tested. And if you are a serious Christian, you want your love to be like the love of Jesus. Yes? Don't you want to love like Jesus loved? That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. And God gives you opportunity for your love to be developed. And you take it as a, a slam in your face that your spouse had a bad day. God gave you opportunity to grow your love a little bit. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thanksgiving. <laughs> God, you gave me great opportunity. <laughs> great opportunity, Lord. Thank you. I, I can't quite get it yet right now. I'm going to go in my prayer closet, Lord. I'm going in my prayer closet. And I, I'm coming out. Okay, Lord, I get it. Okay, Lord, I get it. So where were we? Lovely praise. Think on these things. Think on these things. Verse 9. And that and verse 9 is another, my gosh, a powerful verse that is so exciting. Those things, some of those things which we just talked about, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and, and seen in me. Uh, let's look at it just a little bit. The things that you have learned, I have shared some information with you, and you put in your head, okay, sort of learned. The, the other thing is received. When somebody is talking or teaching, you receiving is a whole different thing than somebody just teaching. If you're not receiving, he may as well not have taught. So are you receiving or not? I hope that this morning you are receiving, because this is incredibly important for your victory as a Christian. Incredibly important. So received, and he says, and learn, and what he say? Heard. It's not just about hearing. And he says, and you have seen it in me. Seen. Uh, I tell leaders all the time, don't ask anybody to do something you cannot show them. If you cannot show them, you can ask them to do it. There's no credibility in what you're asking. Parents, teachers, pastors, leaders of any kind. If you cannot be the example, I'm not talking about a perfect example. There's not such a thing on the face of the earth. I'm talking about a consistent example that has a consistency of some kind that people can see that there's a difference in your life. And they have seen it. They have seen it in me. He says, do. Do it. If it is from God, do it. Don't just tell the, the preacher or whoever it is or your Sunday school teacher, oh, it was a wonderful message today. No, go do it. <laughs> nice story, Pastor. I'll come back next week for another nice story. Do it. Let, don't let your mind go there. 
Let your mind go only selective places, places where you want it to go in a godly direction instead of a fleshly direction. Because if it goes in a fleshly direction, that is, that is some of what you're going to do. But now, how, does, how do I prevent my mind to go certain places? For one thing, I don't put that stuff in my mind. If I put that stuff on my mind, that's where, you know, Anyways, I, I, I'm not going to go there, <laughs> okay? I'll spare you, but um, you have seen it in, in Paul. You have seen it. You have seen it in the leader, the things of God. If it's not of God, don't do it. But the things of God, he says, do. You've seen it in me, do it. And then he says something phenomenal. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, think with me just for a second here. Oh, I'm doing time wise, I'm doing pretty good. And I, 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 hopefully I won't be much longer. <laughs> I, I, I'm sort of, sort of serious, but you never know what, what the Holy Spirit does. I, I just don't know. But I'm just thinking, as I'm preparing and I'm studying, in the middle of the night even, last night, the night before, and the night before that, the night before... We had lost electricity, so we have two fans going. One small fan that makes white noise. You know, you call it white noise on Sybil's side. Mostly so she doesn't hear me snoring. (laughs) That's part of it. I don't always snore, but that's part of it. And then we have a ceiling fan for some cool, some, some, how you call it, circulation. And they both make a little bit of noise. Sybil's fan more than the ceiling fan. But all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, it's so quiet. No noise. And Sybil knows it's the same thing, and she has on her phone a white noise thing, so she, psh, 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 ah, noise, ah, no. But I got warm, so I was awake. My mind went on, think on these things. Uh, then I tried to say, okay, God, you want me to think on these things, so I may as well memorize them, okay? Uh, 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 whatever is true, whatever is uh, honest, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, okay, God, I got it, I got it, I got it. That is where I'm going to send my mind. That is what I'm going to think about. And as I'm, my mind is thinking in the middle of the night, I'm thinking, oh, me, oh, my. What a glorious thing. To have in my daily life the peace of God protecting and guarding my, my heart and my mind. And to have the God of peace in his presence in my life. My dear brothers and sisters, it is not that the God of peace has left you if you don't do these things. But when you do these things, there comes an intimacy in the presence of the Lord. A sweetness, an intimacy, a closeness in his presence that is worth everything. That is worth everything. But let's just say that your mind is going crazy places, wherever it is going. In those places, 
Is it getting you closer to God? Or is it getting you further from God? That's why he is saying, think on these things. Put your mind on the things that God wants you to think about. And then the God of peace, he will show an intimacy with you. A closeness with you. That otherwise, it just forsakes you. It just, uh, not forsaking is too strong because it's not forsaking you like a never come back. But it, 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 you, you just miss it. And to have that in your personal life, in your daily life, my dear brothers, is a treasure. A treasure that no money can buy. And Paul just says, do it. What I've asked you to do, do it. That is why one of the reasons, and I, I'm speaking on this some, somewhat, because I want people to know that just a Bible study without doing what God is asking you to do, you just read. It has a value, but it doesn't have the value that God had for you in that. And when you start doing it, that is when you start knowing it. Okay? When I read about, okay, what did we just talk about, tennis, or we talked about football? What, which one did we talk about? Oh, we talked about soccer. Okay? I can read all day long about the place in soccer, what my position is going to do. I am a fullback, and a fullback, this is what you do, and this is what you do, and this is what you do. Make sure the ball doesn't come too close to your goal, and be careful so that nobody gets to kick the ball because one kick, and it might, it might, it might be a goal. Whatever it is that my job is, wow, I know it. I tell my coach, whatever you wrote here in the, in the playbook, test me, I know it. And you have all the answers right. It only counts for a little bit. Because the answers are not in the book. The answers are on the field. When God is asking you to share the goodness of the Lord with other people, it is not so you know some more stuff about sharing the goodness of the Lord with other people. It is so you can go do it. And as you do it, you find out some things that God has for you in sharing with other people that some things you do, sometimes you don't. Sometimes certain circumstances you do, some certain circumstances you don't. And so on and so forth. That when you are going to, you know, Lynn was talking this morning or whenever it was, when you're going to share with the, with the Hindu about the gospel so you don't eat a steak. They think you're just, you're just eating their, their ankle. So, you buy some vegetables. So, certain things that, that, that you know, you, you, you learn as you, as you do. Paul is saying, do it. And the God of peace will be with you. My dear brothers and sisters, young people. To have the God of peace in your life. And to have the peace of God in your life is worth everything. Money can't buy it. School can't buy it. I'm not saying don't go, don't go to school. I'm not saying don't have any money. I'm saying money can't buy it. Education can't buy it. Nothing can get it. 
do what Paul is asking you to do, and it is yours. And my dear brothers and sisters, young people, you need the peace of God and the God of peace in your life. Lord, do I go there? There's lots of young people that are talking about suicide. Don't let your thoughts go there. Let them go where Paul is asking for them to go. Because the reason why they go over there is because there's an unpeace in your heart and in your life and in your mind. An unpeace that says an escape. It's a lie from the enemy. There's no escape. And there's no escape. Not only is there no escape for you, there's no escape for anybody that's close to you. I resent the enemy for lying to, to God's people like that. I resent them. But if I had a baseball bat, I would let him have one. The enemy. <laughs> I resent it to lie to young people and take advantage of young people like that and get them all in a tizzy. So young people, don't go there. Don't let your mind go there. And if your mind goes there, you need to talk. You need to come, come talk to me or to, you, to, you, to another leader or to a deacon or whoever it might be that can give you sound advice. Don't let your mind go there. And the God of peace will be with you. And Paul says earlier, and the peace of God, the peace of God will be protective of your mind and of your heart, young people. And he'll stand guard. He'll stand guard. Okay. It was a little bit serious. This is serious business, this life here on earth. It is serious business. Yes, there's lots of fun to be had, but it's serious business. When you're talking to husbands and wives and there's these struggles, then it is serious business. When you're talking to young people and their mind is going here and there and everywhere, it is serious business. When you're talking to gray-haired people and their mind is going here and there and everywhere, it is serious business. When you talk to 25-year-olds and they want to start a business, and, and, and they, they have these plans of doing this and this and this and this and this. And it's serious business because they're committing not only so many years of their life, but they're committing a large amount of money that they're borrowing from somebody else. And if it cannot work, they're up a creek. Amen. Yeah, I speak out of experience. Ah, so don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall protect your hearts and your minds. Paul says, think on these things. What is whatsoever is... Ah, true. And whatsoever is honest, and whatsoever is just, and whatsoever is 
pure. And whatsoever is lovely. And whatsoever is of good report. If there is any virtue and any praise, he says, think on these things. And if you have heard these things and, and see and, 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 and learn these things and receive these things, and he says, and seen me do it, he says, you do it. And the God of peace shall be with you. And there's nothing I want more for you than that. Let us stand.